Are single points of failure sometimes okay? In this episode, we talk about how much redundancy a small company should have. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? <laughs> I'm at the office. Normally when we talk, I'm at home. And it may be, uh, you, you may have seen in the news or not, that St. Louis is flooded. Um, no, I did not. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. It, we had the most rain of any day in the history of St. Louis by a pretty wide margin, like 50% more than the last high or something. Uh, three days ago, two days ago, and it made national news, I guess. I don't know. I don't read news that involves talking about weather, but it happened again today, so I can't get home. <laughs> so so uh, what do you do? Are you sleeping there? No, I mean, it'll be fine. The route from my office to my house is not a place that floods much, but like the whole city is just a disaster. So uh, by the time we're done recording, I think it'll be fine. But like it, right this second. Is your car perfect. above the water or is it in the water? Our uh, our house has not. You can't tell it's flooding in our house. Uh but like my parents' neighborhood, like right next to it, yeah, a bunch of cars are like floating around down oh the street. My gosh. Well, like uh, it's kind of cool. I right, I like went outside my. I'm in my private office right now, and like half the company's out there just drinking beers, talking because no one could go home right now. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Is it clear skies now, or is it still raining? Still raining, but the the worst of it's over. Nice. But anyway, yeah, kind of kind of wild weather stuff going on. What's going on with you? Um, not much. Busy week. Uh. Got some updates related to that, but um, yeah. just trying to uh, make it to uh, make it through this podcast and then make it through watching Oliver until bedtime. And then I will probably crack <laughs> open a, a beer myself. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you've earned it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess let's dive in here. I don't know this update. I've given it twice before, but we had another DDoS. Uh, once again, someone tried to take our site down by sending a bunch of traffic to it. Um, seems either the it's the exact same person every time or like i fantasize that there's this like business in a box that someone can buy that's like here are the scripts to ddos someone and here are some potential targets and we're like on that list because it's always from different phone numbers and email addresses that try to send us the ransom message but it's always the exact same thing so uh we are hardening our our defenses against a ddos right now do you do you feel like uh I mean, I'm curious, like, was was fighting or defending against this particular attack easier or less stressful um, than past ones? Or is it about the same every time? It gets easier each time. Although, so we had the, the first one was January 6th, 2021. Big day. We missed the whole insurrection fighting the DDoS. Uh, the next one was about a year and some months after. So there was a pretty big gap. This one was two months after. So between the first and second, when the second one happened, we were like, whatever, this might have been another fluke. This isn't like something we need to be ready for. After this one with just two months between now, we're like, we're going to go in and like, <laughs> it's the, the person DDoSing us is not very good at it. And so <laughs> defending against it's not that hard. So we're like writing a special stuff into our code to specifically make this type of DDoS easier to defend against. <laughs> the most annoying thing about it is basically they keep hitting certain pages and we just like block traffic to those pages temporarily. Um, users who have those pages bookmarks just get locked out. Uh, if they like go to our homepage and click login, it all works. The whole the app works, but they have to like get the new link and our users aren't very tech savvy. So they don't they see like it's not working. They don't think, well, let me maybe I have a weird URL bookmarked and that's the URL that's blocked. So um, that's the only difficulties like I had to pull an all nighter earlier this week. Just staying up to email customer. When, when customers emailed in, I'd be like, here's the link. And they'd be like, cool, great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but if I weren't awake to do that, they would go like, you know, if they're in Europe all day, their time not having access to the CRM. Yeah, that's a, so obnoxious. Yeah. So why it's do, not hard. It's just it, a little tedious. Well, why do people do this? Like, do they have anything better to do? I mean, they're asking us for $5,000 in Bitcoin. So I guess some people pay them, maybe. Yeah. It must work. But anyway, yet another one. Um, how about you? What's your first update? Well, I'll, I'll start with uh, an update on my week. Um, so last 
time we talked, I mentioned we were going all in on chambers of commerce. I can definitely update on that later in the episode. Um, but one other thing I was committing to doing was spending more time helping JD grow the business. Um, I have not made much progress on the SEO front. I do have a call with the content person tomorrow. So I will, uh, nice. have, I'm forced to make pro- some progress between now and then. Um, and then I'm also uh, going to reach out to an SEO specialist to help me build out the SEO plan. So I'm actually going to do both the SEO um, like contractor, which I know how to manage, and then the content person, both external, because I'm just not having time to actually do the SEO planning. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to explore doing both uh, on an outsource basis. Chambers were another one. And then the other part was the, the third sort of lever was I'm going to start attending local events. Um, uh, and I did two this week already. What'd you do? Got a, uh, first one was a panel labs event at a, um, at a brewery in park city. Uh, and it was great. Um, got caught up with a lot of people, um, people who want to help. And, um, one thing that came out of it is we're going to do a webinar for panel labs members, um, in, in, uh, in October, like right in open enrollment, we were probably going to get that anyway, but because I, you know, we caught up with everyone. It was like easier to get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the other thing is that I, I caught up with people who I hadn't seen in a while. And so uh, to get, give an update to them, you know, about what we're doing. And then I had one prospect that I can pass over to JD from that. So, um, if it was more social, I would say than business. Um, but, uh, I'm interested to see how it like cascades. I still haven't done my, I need to do my follow-up from that event. So that's one. Um, that was more like just like a beer drinking social gathering uh, as a partner of Panel Labs. The one I did today was intense, man. <laughs> uh, oh my god, I don't know if I would do this one again. <laughs> Where is this going? <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, it's a con- it's called ConnectShare, and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But it, uh, they basically you are really hyping this up, Rick. You better deliver a great oh, story. Here. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't want to like talk smack because it was like. For the right, like I think it was really well done for what they're doing, but man, like it was eight thirty a.m. to eleven, you know, sitting in around a table huh. with six people, um, and you basically go around the table and talk about your business, and um, it's all local small business people um, that are. It's like intentional networking, but it's a long time to sit around a table. It's a lot, like in during business hours, like during business hours. <laughs> and, and you're, you know, not only are you doing that, but you're also like the next step, the ex- expectation is that everyone's going to meet one-on-one with each other after this. And then we have, we scheduled before we even started a come together meeting where you're supposed to come back and explain how you're going to help everyone else. Um, so is this like a thing? There's like an organization that match makes and you pay them and they put you in touch with these five other people? Basically, you pay a membership fee to be a part of this thing, I think. I'm not a member, so I don't know. Um, but you basically, once a month, come together and you get uh, assigned seated next to five people you don't know. Um, you tell the story and then uh, you're t- you tell your personal story and then everyone is supposed to figure out ways to help you between, uh, you know, usually uh, uh, today, the, the uh, event and then a, a follow-up meeting that you do, you schedule for two hours. What'd you say this is called? Connect Share, I believe. Okay. It sounds a lot like I'm spacing on the name, but there's some kind of famous like old school small business networking thing that sounds like this, where everyone just like passes leads to each other. Basically, that's exactly. It's like forced lead sharing. Now everyone's real, super nice. Like there's a guy you know who is a partner at a C- CFO outsourcing service. There's a you know, a learning management, um, you know, business development guy. Um, one, one woman had us an IT firm. Uh, another woman is an account executive at a, uh, payments company. Um, and then I, I forget what the other one, oh, the other one's a consultant. So it's like very similar like services. Um, but man, like the thing, the thing that I think like what, what I told JD was I have to like, because I did this, I now feel like committed to doing like another four hours of work with this. Yeah. That I don't have, um, because I was a guest and it's kind of reciprocation. It feels weird not to show up to the follow-up meeting, but what, what I, what I told JD and what I'm sort of realizing is that networking is great, but like it cascades, like part of it, it works. It's great. It leads to other conversations and opportunities and that sort of thing, but I don't have time for those. <laughs> so, yeah. So if I were full-time, like my, my conclusion of sort of this week is if I were full-time on leg up health, these types of events would be like totally like I should be doing them all day, every day. 
and just you know kind of funneling stuff to JD uh, based on what is worth his time versus more 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 my time, and then um, you know, repeat all all and it it will snowball like crazy. But I don't have that time, and so what ends up happening is this stuff just stresses me out, and so I I probably I'm going to stop doing this. Hmm. <laughs> And I'm going to focus on the things that I like to do uh, with the little bit of time that I have. Could JD be doing this? He is virtual. Um, hmm. And even him, like, are like, yes, if he were here, it would be good use of his time. But there are more precise things for him to do, too. Um, um, you know, for example, like, what, what part of the pitch is like, tell people how to um, help you. And what I realized asking for help was we generally ask for help in two ways. Like we say, Hey, if you know a consumer who buys their own marketplace plan in Utah, we'd love an introduction. Or if you know a small business owner who doesn't offer employee uh, benefits, to their employees, we'd love an introduction. Those are actually pretty big ass. Like it's kind of weird to introduce consumers, uh, yeah. you know, especially around health insurance. And then, uh, it's, it's, a, everyone wants to talk to a small business owner. Like, it's like they're like that's a really hard ass too, and so right. yeah, that's the same person I want to talk to. <laughs> exactly. So, so what we realized is that like the third thing that I asked for today that actually got me the most sort of bang for my buck was we want to partner with other service providers who talk to small business owners, and then like mm. you know oh you should talk to this person you should talk to this person you should talk to this person. So there was learning that came out of trying to explain this in person and getting real time feedback from a bunch of people, and but that's but JD can do that like he can reach out to partners, potential partners without being in person. So yeah, I just don't think it's worth at this stage us in, like investing in it. Um, given the other pr more precise, uh, opportunities we have to create a snowball. So I'm going to probably back off of it. Um, but anyway, I'm exhausted from it and I, <laughs> I feel obligated now to have a 30 minute meeting with each person. So that's six, uh, six people times 30 minutes or no, five people times 30 minutes and then a two hour recap session where, and then I wow. also have to figure out how I'm going to help these people. And that's every month you're expected to do that. That's just this. Yeah. Every month. But like the, if I've, you were yeah, a member, yes. you'd be doing that every month. Yep. Wow. Which would be great if that was my full-time focus. Um, but I just, I can't like, no, this is the rare, you hear a lot about like we ran an experiment and it worked, so we're going to do it. And you hear yeah. a lot about we ran an experiment. It didn't work. So we're not going to do it. This is a more nuanced one where it's, we ran an experiment. It worked, but it drained me. And so we're not going to do a thing that does work right now, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, BNI is the one I've heard of. Like, are you familiar with them? I've heard about it too. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like this, that, the letter that B, the that. letter in the letter I, and, and it, it was well done. Like it was, it was good. Like I, I met some really nice people today and I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy meeting those people. It's just, I don't have the, it's just a distraction right now. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you tried it. Yeah. You did a thing that I wouldn't try just because like I would be terrified. <laughs> but here's the thing, Tyler, what I should admit to myself, like I'm going to follow through on this. If it leads to like 10 clients, you better damn right. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, right. And you should. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, I, I just, I don't see it. I think it's much longer term, like a longer, it requires, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you're trying to start a car by pulling the clutch, like you've got to have some momentum in order for the car to start. I don't have the time to invest the necessary like uh, energy into this to get yeah. the momentum necessary to really get it jump started. It does strike me as a type of thing also though that probably the window uh, where it makes sense will close. Where there's a lot of stuff with less knowing serum where it's like in the early days you get you fight for every customer you can get and you know do things that don't scale. Like this is classic startup advice. And there comes a point where you're like, yeah, I could get one customer by doing this thing and you know, we get 400 new customers a month. I'm not like, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And this strikes me as kind of that early stage fighting and clawing to get each person, but not the thing that you use to scale up a business. Yeah. That agreed. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm ending my newsletter. Oh no, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. I, I've already like written and scheduled a, an email to go out July 1st. So it's quasi done, but I talked about this, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe I, I asked your feedback on it and you kind of suggested sticking with it. And um, I basically, I thought I was going to take your advice. The reality is I didn't actually, I waited is all I did. I didn't actually write any content since we talked, um, which I took as a sign that like, if it's this much of a chore for me to write, I probably shouldn't. Yep. Um, 
Are you going to leave your website up? Yeah, yeah. So what I what I realized, I'm you know this about me. I'm a very like momentum driven person. Like sometimes I kind of get inspired to do something like write blog posts and I could like when I started lessannoyingbusiness.com is kind of like where I'm putting this content. When I started that site, I think I put out like 25 blog posts in a week or something like that. Now, that was a, a special push, but like when I feel motivated, I can get a lot done. But then I go through periods where I'll, I'll go a few months where I don't want to write anything. And it, that doesn't work with a newsletter very well, right? It's like I can either only send the newsletter when I have something new to share, in which case you're getting a, an email from me once every three months, which I don't think that's a great experience. Or I send an email all the time with nothing new in it. And it still takes time to like send the like to write up the newsletter. So I figured I want a place where I can write new stuff. I'll post that stuff on Twitter uh, so people can see it. But the newsletter format, I don't think fits with the schedule that I want. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I'm, I, I would push back just a little bit on getting rid of like email altogether. Like I, for example, would love to be notified when you post something new. Um, I, I would like, I don't want necessarily, I don't need a newsletter, but I don't want, like, I feel like I'm getting something taken away from me um, a little bit. Um, when you say like, you want, you aren't going to notify me anymore that you post a new content. Yeah, I guess I could do that. Um, you just want to get know. rid of convert kit, don't you? And save some money. Well, yeah, that if it were free and I could just email people, but yeah, I'm paying 80 bucks a month for the newsletter right now. And I should say like when I was putting, when I was writing a blog post a week, I was, it never took off. I only have 210 or something newsletter subscribers, but like it's very clear to me if you wanted to make this work, you could make it work like you being the Royal you. Mm -hmm. Um, I did some reflecting and realized like, I don't want to make this work. <laughs> uh, like I, I literally went through my Twitter, the people I follow on Twitter and I looked at all of them. I kind of asked myself the question, who do I admire? Who do I like following the most? And what are the, like, what's their relationship with content? And what I realized is all the people who are trying, I don't like following as much, <laughs> you know, I, I like the authentic, I'm interested in this. I'm sharing what's on my mind with no real other purpose behind it there's like i think we all have this like vain egomaniac in our head for some of us it's bigger for some of us it's smaller but everyone has a little part of you that's like it would be cool to have a huge following right and i have that which was part of what was inspiring this but then i looked at it, i'm like this would not make me happier in any way i would get nothing out of having 10,000 newsletter subscribers if anything i might be less happy with that <laughs> So I was just like, why am I doing this? That's a great decision then. Yeah. <laughs> um, a quick, quick thing I will comment, or I just wrote down a few, like, as I was taking the site down, I like looked into a few things and noticed some things. Um, one is like the biggest success I had. I've been doing this for a year and a half or something. Uh, I had one YouTube video that got like 8,000 views, which in the grand scheme of things is not that much. Like, People who are actually successful on YouTube get a lot more, but it seems to be ramping up still. Um, it's just, it's literally like how to set up MX records for Google Workspace. It's just like some random technical how to do this. So A, I think there is some demand for like answering small business tech questions. Um, and B, if I were to change my mind and be like, maybe I do want a following, maybe I do want to like for content to be more serious, I might just go to YouTube and try to do that directly because this video got decent traction compared to everything else and i didn't promote it at all uh that's one thing i took away from that have you done any video stuff before i haven't um but it makes sense that uh that your target audience would would value that i don't even know if it's my target audience like th the hard part about it is how do you turn that into a crm customer yeah small small business low, low tech uh, savvy small business people. Like I, it seems like YouTube would be a great place for them. Like, yeah, they're, they're like, and the content that they'd be searching for is probably not the content that the people that spend a lot of time on YouTube creating content are creating. Yeah. Well, and I just, you know, as with all marketing things, like you get a channel and it gets saturated. I think YouTube, despite being very competitive, my, the impression I get is there's less competition relative to the volume than there is on Google search. Uh, like I think YouTube is a, has more low hanging fruit, like from a distribution standpoint than SEO probably. 
it doesn't matter because I'm not like I can't turn that person into a customer, so I don't care about it. But if all I was trying to do is build an audience, I think that looks like the best way to do it, in my opinion. It's interesting, yeah. And I'm well, I just typed in Utah health insurance, and there's like nothing to compete with that's worthwhile here. Yeah, and like w- w- one reason I've stayed away from videos is like if you look at you know the the top YouTubers, they have like really high production value and all that. This video I made was literally it was a Loom video of me sharing my screen, clicking around. Uh, Google Workspace. I even like messed it up because you, you can't, this particular thing, once you do it, you can't go back and do it again. So I was like, all right, I'm doing this live because I only get one shot at this. Uh, it was really unpolished. And I got 20 comments being like, thank you so much. This is amazing. Like mm-hmm. I've looked everywhere for this. So yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity out there. I love it. Um, my final thought on it is it did occur to me like if Less Annoying Serum ever ended up in a position where we were just we had really good margins and we were happy with where we are. And like, we could afford to kind of hire people that maybe aren't like essential to the business, but that just are doing things we like hiring a full-time person to just do small business tech tips. I would love to do that. I don't think there's a business case for it, but like, I think like, like indirectly there is, I think we could get lots and lots of traffic if we had someone spending their time on that. I'm just not that person. I don't have time for it. Why don't you hire that person? I think it's too indirect. Like I, maybe 10 years from now, there's like a little bit of ROI. I, I, it definitely provides value to the world. I don't think we have a good way of capturing that value in a way that pays that person's salary. Mm. That's my theory on it. But I would, fe- I, I just think like, I would feel really good. I would feel it would be a rewarding thing to create for the world because I talk to my customers and I know they need this type of advice. So uh yeah that's it on that tell me about Rest chambers of commerce oh. wait less annoying business.com is not going away just to, to recap Correct. just your newsletter so rest in peace less annoying business newsletter yes uh hello like the future is is still bright for less annoying business the entity the future is still there <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah well, uh, yeah tell me about tell me about your chamber of commerce update We've joined all the chambers. Um, and so one added benefit I didn't think about was we get inbound links from all of the chambers and our logo on them. So for SEO, it's actually helping us. Didn't even consider that. Um, but already uh, JD's working through the member lists and he's actually already found that the uh, because the member lists like help him find business, small business people, it's actually more efficient than just looking for small business people online. So he's basically shifted all of his prospecting efforts to working through the chamber of commerce lists, which is great. Um, and so, uh, it's going well, we, we pulled the trigger and, um, it's a huge focus. Cool. Um, we also got our second Google review this week, which, um, we have now two five-star Google reviews. Are you asking for that or that's just happening organically? We're asking. Okay. Will you please leave us a review? Why'd you pick Google versus say Facebook or I assume there's not like a G2 Captera type of review system for you. Yeah, Google, we're just we, primarily because it serves two purposes. It helps with SEO. It validates us in Google's eyes as a real business when someone types in health insurance in Utah. Um, and then uh, I, I personally, it's more of a personal thing. Like I use Google yeah, reviews uh, for this type of thing. Um, so I'm making the assumption that other people for, for health insurance are going to go there, but there is like trust pilot is another one. Um, right. And, uh, uh Facebook is another one, but I, th- I, th- I think Google is the right place to start to sort of build up like just pr- one, one proof point of our brand being real. And then also getting some SEO benefits. That sounds good. So you've got the chamber of commerce stuff so far. It sounds like the impact is instead of JD going out and finding leads, the old, like, the hard way you've got a list to work off of yep tbd on do they convert better or anything like that nope tbd and then there's a i mean a plethora of events for me to attend in person if i want to but you're not right probably not going to (laughs) but we'll see like i i mean i could see myself going to a quick lunch um but like i I think like this type the connect share level of networking is is not for me right now okay but uh, like what you did at panda labs you could oh, do great. that once a week, you think? Yeah, totally. Okay. Cause yeah, it'd be a shame to like do all like do all the like, chamber of commerces and then be like at the same time I'm not doing any events. That would 
No, be a mismatch. Okay. I'm doing. I'm doing a similar. We're members of the U, Utah Independent Business Coalition, which is not a chamber. It's more of an association like Pando. I'm doing a cocktail hour with them next next yeah. Thursday, and that'll be fun. Cool. Like um, it. One other experiment that we've been running that I wanted to update on this is another growth experiment. Just so everyone's aware, like JD and I have this Kanban board in Notion, and we have a, a like ten experiments, growth experiments we're running right now, ranging from getting reviews to joining chambers to partner outreach, like trying to grab, grab referral partners to um, networking events in person, like all these things. Um, one one experiment that he's trying is like gifting. Is the theme is gifting things uh, to potential prospects. And the thing he tried last week, uh, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I don't remember, um, was offering, he, he has now a list of profiles that he knows has um, their own individual policy. And with health insurance laws, uh, you can't rebate. You can't say like, make me the agent and I'll give you 25 bucks. But with Leg Up Health, we can say, create your account mm. and add your policy. You don't have to make us the agent. We'll give you 25 bucks. And we did that and uh, three people uh, created an account uh, and three people added their policy and three people made us the agent. Wow. So $75 got us three clients. Now we had one backfire um, in that like this one person signed up and then we think that her age, she had a current agent. We think that her current agent emailed her and said, what the heck? Um, and she was like, oh, I didn't mean to do this. Like, how do I reverse it? And so we're working through, like, we can't really reverse it. Like we can only help the other agent, help her help her current previous agent get her back, switch Um, back. But, uh, so, so one of the learnings we had was we need to have two tracks. Um, you know, there's sort of people with marketplace plans, but within that people with marketplace plans who have an existing agent and those who don't, the, the ones that don't, it's like a no brainer, like let's get them you know, but the mm-hmm. ones that do like, there's, there's a little bit of a, a nuance there that we need to be sensitive to. What do you do about that? How, how could you be sensitive about that? Um, Cause like ultimately you are trying to put an end to the other agent. We might like maybe not incentivize, like trying to incentivize that from another broker. Um, go just focusing on ones that don't have agents or, you know, saying, Hey, like, just so you know, your broker is going to get notified if you have an existing agent, you know, preparing them for it so that there's not this yeah. like weird reaction. That makes sense. Um, but anyway, I, that's that's a pretty cool experiment, I think. Yeah, that's great. I, I might say, like, wait for it to happen twice before you overreact to it. Like, right now, th- you could say 33% of people have had a problem, or you could say one person has had a problem. Mm. It's hard to know what, like, what percent actually would. I am sensitive to this. It's a good point you're making. I, I am sensitive to this because when you when brokers get competed with, in their eyes, unfairly, they file complaints for the Department of Insurance, and yeah. I don't want to deal with that because I had to deal with that all the time at Zane Benefits. Um, and so, like, that's why I'm probably reacting. Okay. To it, there is like some some annoying uh, annoyance risk here, like regulatory, not regulatory for us, but like dealing with sh- stuff, like right. getting a notice in the mail and having to go like talk to the Department of Insurance, be like, no, we're not doing what you think we're doing. Like, um, but but uh, so so there is like. I'm not sure that I want to be an aggressive comp- competitor to existing agents right now. And so that's, I think, more the question that I'm having. Gotcha. Cool. So you said, I mean, three for three or maybe two for three, but who who were, who was the pool of people you marketed this to? That's a good question. I need to check with JD on the stats. I'll take that as the next step. I don't, JD, if you're listening, I don't, rem- I don't have any idea how many, like what our conversion rate was on offer. Like, yeah, I, my guess is less than 25, 25 people were offered this. And okay. Cause like you hear that and you're like, great, you've got your model, go do it over and over and over <laughs> I again. Think, but I yeah. think, um, but you know, it, but I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I'll have to ask uh, JD and find out. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it's cool, right? Like we got three AORs. Yeah, it's very cool. As you were talking, well, first of all, yes, huge success. That's great. Congrats. As you were talking, I was like, what's stopping every agent from coming up with something that you can give, like switch the rebate to be like, come to my house for dinner. We'll, we'll move you over, but I'm giving you the $25 for coming to dinner, not for switching to make me your broker. It sounds like you've got a great thing here, but I'm also wondering why everyone doesn't do this. Um, I don't think anyone has the value proposition that we have. I mean, yeah. you got to remember, like, we're coming in and saying, we're focused on service, not sales. Like, with a consumer, no one's doing this. Right. <laughs> our, I mean, our competition's focused on selling someone, uh, you know, a policy who doesn't have a policy. 
They're not focused yeah. on serving someone who doesn't have an agent that already has a policy. It's never as good as it seems. And I know this is going to fall apart somehow just because that's how the world works, but that's, that's very exciting. Yeah. That's cool. Um, that's all I got on, on sort of experiment, uh, growth experiment updates, but I thought I'd share those yeah, cool. in a row. That's great. Um, I was having a conversation recently with Robert, who's kind of like our tech lead slash the manager of the developers. Um, and so we have a sabbatical policy, a lessening CRM, where basically every three years, a person can take six weeks paid off uh, or 12, like an additional six unpaid if they want. So up to 12. Um, so he's, he's just kind of thinking like, okay, I might take one soon. What do we do uh, during that sabbatical? Like in terms of right now, a lot of things go through him. He does the final pull request and he deploys code and stuff like that. And so it's just kind of talking about six weeks without him. How, how would things operate? Why, also, why are you having that conversation? Because he's going to take a sabbatical probably. Ooh. Which he's done one before, although he wasn't as officially the manager at the, like he, he had an important role at the time, but not like as critical as it is now. Hmm. Um, it also led to a conversation about like, what if I took a sabbatical? It's a fun exercise. Forget the sabbatical thing. If you're gone for six weeks, if any one person at the company has gone for six weeks, like what do you do? It's a harder question than what if someone quits? Because if someone quits, it's like we replace you, right? If someone's gone for six weeks, it's like we're not hiring a replacement for you, but we it's long enough that we can't necessarily just... We have to have redundancy. Yes. Or, so this is what this led to. There's two interesting things that came out of this conversation. No sabbaticals allowed. No sabbaticals allowed. That's where yeah. we ended up. No vacation yeah. either. No weekends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, like, okay. One is like, I think re- having redundancies, and by that I mean having multiple people who can do things so there's not a single like uh, point of failure. I think people want that more than is rational in at a small business because it seems obvious like if a person if robert's the only one who can deploy code of course two people need to be able to deploy code but the reality is like we're you know we only have six developers it's not like we have like a thousand deploys going on every day we could stop it for a week no problem we just say okay for a week we're not going to deploy code for six weeks is harder but I've, I already came into this discussion already thinking people want more redundancy than makes sense. There's huge inefficiencies in creating redundancies that I think are often not worth the trade-off. First of all, what do you think about that? This is uh, uh, this takes me straight to Windfall's core value of leverage over optimization. Mm, um, yeah, and it, like redundancy is 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 optimi- Redundancy is optimizing something. Um, and the question is for what? Like at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's peace of mind and. Uh, you know, uh, opportunity caught like potential, like risk, like risk mitigation. So like what, I don't know. I think th- it totally depends on what you're op- like uh, the of situation. Course, of course. Yeah. But the leverage over optimism, like leverage is a good word because re- like when you say like, should we have multiple people who can do this? The easy answer is yes. But what's unspoken is, well, what are you giving up for that? And leverage, right? Like mm-hmm. you can move a lot faster if everyone just does their own, th- like if you don't have to do everything twice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so like an example of this, uh, I'm actually surprised if anyone's building a team and hasn't managed anyone before, employees are way more worried about shit than I expected. And what I mean by that is like, I kind of think of it like, it's my job to worry about shit. You don't need to worry about it. Uh, but people regularly have come to me like, what if Bracken gets hit by a bus? What if Robert gets hit by a bus? What if I get hit by a bus? Um, and like the answer is always like, oh yeah, I mean, it would suck. The, the injury to you would suck. I'd feel bad about that. But aside from that, we'd figure it out. My answer is always just... Oh, We'd, we'd figure it out. Like, do you have any passwords that I don't have access to? No, then we'd figure it out. Uh, and they're always like, but we need a plan. And I'm like, well, you probably won't get hit by a bus. I don't think we need a plan. This is ha- this conversation has happened to me like many times throughout the company. And I still stand by, you don't need a plan for the most part. Uh, but this especially came up with the six week thing that I don't want to say any decisions were made, but Robert and I were kind of like, yeah, we could go six weeks just without any of it. So just take the sabbatical and see what needs to be done and you'll jump in and do it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like I can't deploy. I I have the ability to play code. I just don't. But we'd just be like, let's give everyone a bunch of big projects to work on that aren't likely, we're not like where they're not going to get finished really quickly. We'll still do bug fixes and stuff like that. That's no problem. But like, let's just plan on having a six week period that doesn't have like a million deploys and code reviews. And then Robert can do it when he gets back. And like, I think that would work fine. That's 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 one option. 
Yeah. Um, I think it's pr- probably the right answer is in between. It's like, let's get some redundancy, but not try to make it so that the, comp- the team is co- always running as if Robert might be gone at any moment. Um, but then we also talked about me. What if I was gone? And to my delight, it was like, oh, no problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was like, long term, like, without you, who's setting the product roadmap, like the product strategy, and who's like, you know, making culture, like there's stuff I do, but none of it needs to happen in the next six weeks. And I was, uh, I was really happy to hear that. That means you're doing your job well. Yeah, I think so. Although maybe you could say like, then we need to do the same thing for him and it trickles all the way down. Yeah, Let's talk about that. That's where I was going to is like, does, I mean, is, is this indicator that Robert isn't developing, you know, his team, uh, you know, and he's not doing his job to the fullest. So I don't think so. Um, or let me, let, let me rephrase the, I don't think there's that difference between me and him. The reason me being gone is not that other people are doing what I'm doing. The reason is that the things I'm doing are bigger picture and longer term. Whereas Robert is more of a day-to-day operator. Um, no one else, we don't, I don't have backups for what I'm doing, but this gets back but you, to when, but, but technically you've delegated those things. You've trained I delegated to, the day-to-day stuff, yeah, yeah. but it's not like someone else is also doing like product vision thinking mm-hmm. without me, you know? Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. But wouldn't it be nice like if there was, uh, Robert had some, you know, some, someone that I, I guess I'm just going like, it doesn't seem like it's that expensive to have someone who, who can, who, who can do like the it's things not, that need to get done in order to continue to operate for six weeks. It's not that expensive. There's two things. And I, I again, I want to reiterate, like we absolutely can do code reviews and de- deploy code without Robert. The question is, should we Yeah. like, should we try a, yeah, it makes everyone else less productive and B Robert's really good at it. That's the other side of it is like when you have redundancies, normally you had the best person on a task and now you're adding the second best person. And there is oftentimes a big gap between the, the best and the second best. And I don't mean overall. Every developer has their own strengths and weaknesses. Robert is fantastic at multitasking and just like churning through this admin work in a way that no one else on the team is. Yeah, and the, but there's also this other piece of like, there's there's an opportunity for someone else like that's being taken, like not given. I won't say it's been right. taken away that I just feels wrong to me. I, I I think that's ultimately my stump. The thing that makes my stomach feel weird here is like, if you had done that, Robert wouldn't, you know, you know, have the opportunities that he's having right now. And if you, don't you want that to cascade through the organization? I want to create opportunities for people, but not at the cost, not at the, I don't think a good, a well-oiled machine has everybody on the team being able to perform every single job function at the company. I think that is like not how any effective organization is run. And that's the natural conclusion of what you're saying. I think mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone, um, but I, I well, think like, uh, I, like one person, like there, who's, who's, I don't well, know. But okay. But the same logic, could, you're still depriving everyone else of that opportunity then. Right. Yeah, it's fair. Um, like at some point you're either saying everyone's getting this opportunity or we're, we're basing it off what's, if, what's right for the company and not. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like, I, I mean, I do this all the time. Like I have to pick, I can't, I can't sit down with everyone at the company and teach them something. <laughs> I have to like pick, you know, someone who I'm going to like invest time in so that they can do yeah. some, something similar, you know, and it's, yeah, you can't, you, it's hard to spread this around to multiple people. It is possible two is a better number than one. Like there, there's some arbitrary number you're picking and yeah. I've picked one. Uh, it's possible to, and like thinking about it, a lot of stuff Robert does one person can like someone can do most of it, but it's not one person that can do all of it. So like cam does bug fix triage with Robert. Um, you know, someone else might get more involved in code reviews with Robert. Like, I think I'm coming full circle to like the, the core question, which is like how much redundancy is necessary. Yeah. And I think like you want to avoid single points of failure on critical tasks and like deploying code is a critical task. And what it sounds like is it's not a single point of f- failure because you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a non-issue, but if you couldn't do it and Robert was the only person who could do it, that would be more of a problem for me, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Although even that, I, I totally agree with that, but let's break, there's different types of things 
One is like this thing happens every day, like deploying code. Another one is like this only happens in an emergency or this only happens once a year or something. In that case, it's like so like there's a lot of stuff Brack and my co-founder knows how to do that I don't know how to do. But like I have all the passwords, right? I can get in if I need to. If he gets hit by a bus, it's like, okay, I have six months to figure this out. (laughs) You know, it's not like everything shuts down immediately. So I do think it's like for that, it's okay. It's okay. It's not just okay. It is necessary for some things to be a single point of failure. As long as you have the ability to catch up and figure it out, it's not okay to have a single point of failure where like, if the person gets hit by a bus, you have absolutely no way of catching up and figuring it out yourself. All right. Um, so you're cool. not, you're just basically, it sounds like you're landing on letting him go on vacation and come back and it's like sort of like pause deployments and, um, and probably we're going to do something in between. Like okay. some people on the team are like every, like every single person should be able to do this. And I don't agree with that, mm. but I think what we're probably going to say is like, so I can, I can deploy code. I'm not as good as I once was at reviewing code. So what we're probably going to say is for low stakes things or high urgency things like a bug fix, someone else will review it. I will work with them to deploy it. We will get it deployed. We'll probably ship stuff a couple times a week instead of multiple times a day. Um, the stuff that doesn't have any time sensitivity to it, we'll just save that for Robert because he's much better at this than I am. The only problem is uh, there's, there is real risk in Robert going wherever he goes on a sabbatical and saying, you know what? This is pretty damn nice. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So again, we're back to no sabbaticals. Okay. <laughs> we really went full circle there. <laughs> um, so I have an insight, uh, switching subjects. That mm-hmm. I, 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 we learned this. I can't remember what, what JD and I were talking about. Um, it, was, it was this uh, gifting thing um, where like he said, like, this is great. And he was like, uh, but I was having a rough day and we only had three and I realized that I hadn't made any like hypotheses around, you know, what success would be for this experiment. And hmm. three is amazing given that I only sent it 25. I don't remember how many he sent it to, but it was like yeah. in, in the context of like three is amazing. One would have been amazing. Like, um, and, and what I realized was like, I just, it became clear to me that I think a lot of people are scared of, of the unknown. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, oftentimes like, that that fear becomes even worse when you don't have a baseline to like ho- like measure against, even if the baseline's completely like a finger in the wind. <laughs> and so I, I just I, I my insight is this: like if you're like traversing into some sort of unexplored space and and there, you don't know, taking like taking the time to just make a guess at what might happen, making some intentional assumptions will reduce your fear and like actually help you get going. And I like, I just, I think I do, I, this is something I do very naturally over time because I've learned it through, um, lots and lots of repetition, but I I do think it's a, it's a hack to sort of break through, um, scary, scary, um, unknowns. Interesting. I'm not sure like fear is, I'm trying to connect in my head fear with not having a goal. What, but what if your goal is just totally wrong? Um, it's not necessarily having a goal. Or, or uh, like, let's just say you want to, like, if I do this, I think this will happen. Like, that's all I'm saying to do versus okay. like, just saying like, I'm scared about doing this. I'm scared about doing this. Like, what's, what's the, what, if I go do this, what, what, what good will happen? What bad will happen? And what do I think the outcome mm-hmm. will be? Like, that's all I'm saying. I don't think pe- a lot of people like intentionally think through those things. Yeah. Um, and they get stuck in this whirlwind. I especially like the, what bad will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to various people about various things that they're stressing out about. And when you just say like, what's the consequence of this going wrong? And then it's always like, Oh, nothing. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then what's the upside. Right. And then you go, I don't know, like worst case, like no one signs up for this gift, you know, $25 gift card. And it's a failure. Yeah. Best case, we get three clients. That's pretty awesome. Well, here's a an example of this that works the other way. Um, like it's flipping what you're saying a little bit, but I think it's it's supporting your point. Uh, I was talking to one of Shelly's friends was applying for two jobs. Uh, got it. The first one, she was she, she's a professor, was an adjunct professor at one university, and then got like a job offer she really liked at a different one, and then was like asking me like 
you're a business dude. Should I like go back and negotiate for more or something at the first one? Or should I just take this offer from the second one? And I was like, what's the upside of negotiating with the first one? Like, don't you want the job at the second one? And then she was like, oh yeah, there's absolutely no upside in doing that. Kind of the same thing you're talking about, but like, yeah, sometimes when you do look at the upside, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this shit at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking right. speaking of that, uh, today, um, I mean, we, we, we basically had to talk someone out of taking an offer and, uh, I won't say what company it was with, like, but like, it was like the person basically was like having second thoughts about joining the company. It's like, we don't want you. Like if you have second thoughts, hmm. like we need people who are fully committed and like, you shouldn't take this job. Like, yeah, please don't. Did you see, uh, like at Facebook, the uh the like thing that leaked from their all hands meeting i didn't tell me remind me what it was so as i understand it a a lot of tech companies are like having harsh realities right like it's you know we're probably entering a recession they're doing layoffs and stuff facebook didn't do layoffs but they froze hiring so there's an all hands and mark zuckerberg my understanding is he starts it with being like shit's getting real this is serious we need to buckle down work hard like this is not going to be a pleasant phase and the first question which some people i've seen suspect it was planted by Facebook so that he could have a good scapegoat. But the first question was like, uh, you, you introduced like additional vacation days called meta days in 2020 with the pandemic. Do we still get those this year? And apparently it was just like, are you not fucking listening to me? <laughs> like, this isn't like, that's your question. Uh, <laughs> that's what he reacted like. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, it was like a leak from, I don't, I don't know the exact words he said, but the, the impression you get from reading about it is it, he just, it was like, you are totally missing the tone right now, which is like the days of it's all about you, 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 you know, just what, what are the benefits you're getting being the top thing you're, on your mind is like, that's not the tone right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, people have trouble like understanding that that is so that can change at an organization um, while you're at it. Uh, right. And two, like it is an important like picking the right atmosphere, like going into a company that is on fire and expecting to not have a job that is on fire is stupid. Like, so it, it's, it's in the job, it's in the job, you know, sort of uh, search process, but it's also like things change and like expecting like the, the your job to stay like co- cushy when the company's not cushy, right. You know, is, is, is stupid. It's. I think it's also though the company could probably do more to like make those expectations clear. I'm going to give the dumbest example ever of this, but this just happened today, so it's fresh in my mind. I was in a meeting with a couple people, and like this isn't what we were talking about, but it came up. Like someone's like, we, we were planning what to do at the office because uh, we're doing like a redesign of it, and someone's like, is there anywhere we could like have a, a stretching room, like a yoga room? And I was like, we have three empty private offices right now. Just go in there and stretch. Like, you don't need my permission to go stretch in there. Um, and then and everyone was like, fuck yeah. Like, let's put a yoga mat in there. And then we have a yoga room. And I was like, just to be clear, that will be someone's office one day. But until that's someone's office, go do all the yoga you want. Um, but I do think it's valuable to say that. And probably you need to keep saying it. Because like two years from now, people are going to think, that's the yoga room. And I need to keep saying that is an office that is currently unoccupied. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Um, I think one thing that, that I think organizations get scared about doing is being real. Mm-hmm. And I think like what it sounds like Mark Zuckerberg did, it was like, he was really real, but like he didn't get like the, the, the person did not like register, like and reward him for his realness. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think it's very possible that this this entire thing was them trying to scare employees. But yes, if you take it at face value, I totally. Agree I with think that. a lot of people like listen. They, they if you don't if you if you want someone to act like the the house is on fire, and you don't tell them the house is on fire, you're crazy to expect them to think to act like mm-hmm, the house is on mm-hmm. fire. Um, if you tell them that the house is on fire and they want to like take their time getting out of the house. Um, that is their problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry to belabor the point, but yeah, like uh, th- this reminds me of, I kind of referenced this in an earlier podcast, but never went too deep in it. I don't think like we had, so we have like a group of people. It's almost the whole company that is in this like committee that does DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion work, like related to, well, yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. Um, 
And we kind of had a bit of tension where like everybody was feeling discontent about it. And the reason was just because everyone, no one had put clear limits on it. And so everyone was like, we're going to, it's our responsibility to solve every problem in the world, um, <laughs> basically. And so like I gave a talk that was re reset. I was like, here's the deal. Like we will do things that are byproducts of our company or we will reduce harm that we directly cause. Those are the two things we work on. Every other problem in the world is not for us to work on. Um, and actually, everyone's been much happier with that whole thing since then. Uh, just on the topic of getting real and all that, like, I I'm always worried about this, that like, saying the reality that is unpleasant, that like, it's going to make people upset or less happy. But the reality is, if if it is the reality, it was already unpleasant and it's better to say the unpleasant thing and acknowledge it as opposed to just leave it sitting there for everyone to like figure out on their own what it means. And most people who are the people that you want to work with, in my opinion, the people I want to work with, they adjust mm -hmm. and they, they go, thank you. Like, you know, or they go, you know, I'm going to adjust, but you know, this isn't the place for me. And they, they opt out, but like they adjust, they don't just keep acting like, you know, they're, they're in some, you know, alternate reality. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, since in, in this one case, since that happened, like the work that's getting done, the quality went way up. Like yeah. everybody's focused. They're on the same page. Like it, it was a really good thing. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, do you, you have some product updates? Yeah. I realize like we talk, I listen to all these other podcasts like ours and they're constantly talking about features or shipping and stuff. And like, I never say any of that because I'm like, nobody cares about less annoying, <laughs> but I figured maybe I'd give a little update on this. Um, just like things we're working on and specifically, I'm going to tie it into like product led growth stuff. Cause as I've been talking about, like in the past, we've just like been very reactive to what we build. Like what do customers tell us they want? We build it. Uh, we're trying to get a little more deliberate about like product led growth means working on things that will achieve our marketing goals. We don't want to make the product worse, obviously, but sometimes they're kind of orthogonal, right? Mm -hmm. So there's two categories that we've been working Every on. Every time you it, say orthogonal, I just, I don't know what it means. Like, perpendicular. I know we've talked about, yeah. are, they, are they the same thing? <laughs> yeah, but I just like, I don't, like, it means nothing to me in the context. Like, I, th I feel like other people use it too. And I'm just, can you explain it, what you yeah. mean by that? Again? Uh, so, so yeah, what I said was there's like what our customers are asking us to do and what we think will lead to growth. By saying they're orthogonal, it's not that they're conflicting with one another. It's that they're they're pointing and they're not inter, they're not like uh, uh, correlated, I guess. Like just because something makes a customer happy doesn't mean it's necessarily good for growth and vice versa. So they're not conflicting, but they're not related. Um, I think orthogonal actually means something like perpendicular okay, like in the dictionary. Got it. Got That's it. my understanding. Okay. So they intersect, but they don't. Yeah, I don't know if the intersection is an important part of how I'm using it, but they're pointing yeah. in different directions, basically. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, Thank and you. I'm pr I probably don't know the definition. I picked that up purely by context clues, so I could be wrong about that. <laughs> this is like one thing that I like. Thank you. Okay. Um, so anyway, I thought I'd just give an update on like stuff we're, we've been working on with, yeah. Statistically independent. Orthogonal means, so you're basically saying that they are not, they're, they're, they're not correlated. They're not correlated and they're independent, they're like independent of each other. Right. They're not inversely or... Yes. Whatever, like act normally correlated. Got They're it. just, yeah, that's okay. Independent. Got it in my head. Okay. So there's two types of projects that I think make sense for product-led growth. Um, the first one, I'm going to read these in the opposite order from these notes. So you're going to think I'm saying this wrong. But the first one is the one you want me to do the most of, and I do too, but we it's harder, is building a, a feature that will cause more traffic to come to our website. <laughs> like virality is kind of the, the best example of this, um, but there's other versions of it as well. The second one isn't quite as impactful, but it's it's easier and still has some impact, I think. And that is we've tar we've identified almost all our metrics are good, but one that could be better is when people sign up for a free trial, not very many come back a second time. If they come back a second time, they almost definitely pay us. So like, how do we get more people? Like forget trial to paid conversion. That's too broad. We want to drill in on this and just say, if you sign up for a free trial, how do we get you to come back a second time? So those are the two categories we have targeted. So I just want to talk through what we're doing on those. Cool. Um, I haven't heard you say the free trial sort of re retarget and, and bring back um, rate. Like that's interesting. 
Yeah. And I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but so like we get about 25% of people who sign up for a free trial pay us, which is pretty good already. But a lot of ideas we've had is like, well, what if our, maybe they're not doing it because our search isn't very good, or maybe they're not doing it um, for like our integrations sometimes break. And then we look into it and we're like, nope. Uh, the people who don't pay us didn't come back after the first visit. They were lost for some reason. The thing they were looking for, they didn't see immediately. And nothing we do after that first visit is going to change whether or not they pay. Interesting. So, yeah, I would guess that's true of a lot of SaaS products, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, okay. So for the ones to, to generate more traffic, um, one is Zapier. We've talked about this. I, everyone in the audience is like, I can't believe they don't have Zapier integration. You're all right. But that's kind of a no-brainer. Not only is it a feature customers expect, which is not a valid reason to build this, but they have a marketplace. Um, and they do a lot of like market, like kind of cross-promotion opportunities with people who build integrations with them. So that'll be a channel for us to get new customers, hopefully. That's almost done. Um we're probably going to start beta testing it in the next month or so, hopefully. Nice. Uh, yeah, excited about that. Um, the next one is calendar invites. So like, we have a calendar when someone adds a contact of theirs in the CRM to an event. Right now, nothing happens. We just need to send an email to those people being like, yo, you got invited to an event. This is what you'd expect from any calendar, but like... We're not... We're going to... The, the email is going to be more like an evite email. It's going to be like, click a link to RSVP, yes, no, maybe, as opposed to like using the ICS built-in calendar reservations because I, I don't like how those work. So that means anyone who does this will get exposed to less annoying CRM. So Is I this, think... Are, are customers currently triggering emails at all like to, out to their not to, to, to their contacts? Only to other users, not to So this contacts. is a big, like serious, yeah. like functionality change. Like and uh, intro- I'm assuming it introduces a ton of other like risks um as it yep. relates to how people <laughs> use your product yeah like we're gonna have to start worrying about abuse like spammers and stuff like that like just today we were talking about okay we have to have a way to address like if, if you're invited to an event we have to tell you who's coming to the event so if it's multiple contacts we have to have their names someone could in theory in the crm put like notes in the name that they don't want the cost the contact to see uh, there's all kinds of, yes, this, this has turned into a much bigger project than I expected, but I, I think I'm, this is the biggest opportunity we've got. Yeah, I like it. Um, we have 25,000 people using our calendar or that's how many users we have. I don't know. Some percentage of them are using our calendar and we could in theory get thousands of emails going out to their users just like day one, as soon as we turn this on. Um, so that'll be a really long project, but, but we're making progress on that. Uh, the next one is we're building OAuth right now, which is like a improvement to our API. But this is in service of, I think I mentioned to you the idea of like making our API more of a platform and trying to do more to get other people to integrate with us. So OAuth is the next thing, but there's like other steps involved. But um, we're getting ready to start basically marketing to other SaaS products and saying, hey, do you want to do you want to integrate to us? I actually think we are, a, we have talked about this on the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Or, oh, yeah. I think we're like, a really, really good integration target for smaller SaaS companies because we don't we we only integrate with like three companies right now. So if you integrate with us, like a lot, like thousands of people are going to see your company very prominently on our integration page. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sort of drooling a little bit and going like, <laughs> I need to go find a, a developer and come talk to you and like build an app, particularly. Yeah. Like, for less annoying CRM. Yeah, we could give a lot of distribution to someone that builds mm-hmm. a, a good integration with us. So, and and did do we talk about how we're thinking about paying people to do this potentially? No, you I did can't. not. Yes, um, we did. Yes, we did. Okay. Yes, we did talk about it. Like, so, yes, yeah. Go to someone and say, "Here's like rather than us building the integration, go to someone and say, here's ten thousand dollars. How about you build it the other direction?' Um, and it could be a win-win. Are you open to doing a deal with me? What would the integration be? I don't know yet. I'm open to it. I'll build, we'll, build, <laughs> we'll build the app from scratch. Oh, uh, yeah. Build an email. I, I, this is a call out there, especially what I want is a really, really good email marketing integration. We integrate with MailChimp right now. A, our integration's not very good. And B, I hate MailChimp. If someone out there has a good email, like a simple MailChimp type thing, uh, I will I will send you a lot of customers. Yeah, it's funny. Most email platforms, like they get super complicated. There, there's yeah. no, like, 
It's just, I yeah. think Mailer Light is the if we had to build it, we'd build it with Mailer Light, but mm. they're bigger than us. Like I think the key like the bigger company doesn't build the integration. We need to find people smaller than us where we offer the distribution, they do the work. Mm-hmm. Um but email marketing, an invoicing tool would be great. Uh, some sort of tax tool would be great. Um, those are probably the highest on the list. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are some of them. And then I'll, I'll move a little quicker through these because we're running out of time. But um, we're also doing a pretty major redesign working on, making good progress on that, and ch- changing the workspace, which is kind of like our dashboard, to be much more welcoming. So the, the idea is when someone hits like signs up for a free trial, we want them to have a much better first impression uh, to get them to come back a second time. So those five are, that's not all the projects we're working on right now, but like this is the the best pipeline, product pipeline we've ever had. I feel really excited about it. This is the most exciting, I've excited I've ever felt for you about your product <laughs> pipeline. Nice. I mean, this, this stuff, like this is lots of different bets. Um, with high potential, like unlimited potential growth. Um, and the cool thing I think about both Zapier and the calendar invites and the API is that if you can get, just get it out and get people to start using these things, it's going to lead to so many other ideas because how they actually use it is going to inform Mm -hmm. something that you haven't even thought about, or maybe you have, it's going to validate something that you've been thinking about and you just pull the trigger on. I mean, the reality is for years we were on autopilot. We are just like, we have so many customers giving us so many good ideas Let's just do that. And yeah, uh, placing bets is exactly... We haven't placed a bet in years because it was 100% safe. It was 200 people have asked us for this feature. We're going to build it. There were no bets. There was no risk taking. And I think that's that's one reason I'm excited about this is we're taking a risk here. Are you making any assumptions about the success of each of these individual things? Like Mm. uh, back to our insight? Back to your last one? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Let's talk about that. Calendar invites... I, I haven't explicitly done... So, so the answer is no, and maybe I should leave it at that, but I'm happy to go in and make them up on the spot right now. I don't know. Yeah, you probably have thought about like roughly like what, what this could do. I have fantasized. Okay. Right? That's, I've that's, told myself a story. I love that. Yeah. What's <laughs> your fantasy? Like, well, yeah. I, so right now we're growing, but not very fast, but calendar invites, like if you do the math on, okay, how many events are being created with contacts attached and what percentage are getting sent to people and like, it could generate enough leads to create an extra 10% year over year growth. And that's all we need. If we had that, honestly, I would stop marketing. I'd be like, if we had that, boom, uh, the, the the future of the company has been, you know, solidified here. I love it. Yeah. So it's it's not going to happen. Nothing's ever as good as you hope it'll be, but that's what I hope. <laughs> but hey, this is this stuff will all add up, and it'll lead yeah. to something. This is yeah. Great. Investing in growth is fun, man. Yeah, it is. I, I hate like marketing type stuff, but product product led growth stuff has been has been really fun. Can I, do you have like five more minutes? Can I sure. ask one? Because I have a topic that's related to this. Okay. So I said, we're doing this redesign. Um, we're calling it three nine. So if I say three nine, I mean the new design. Um, now we're like halfway through it. The, a lot of other features are getting built and we face a dilemma, which is, do we bundle a bunch of the new stuff with three nine? So it's like a big release with lots of features because it is coming out soonish. And otherwise, we have to build it in two different two different UIs, or do we roll out everything in the old version three eight, uh, so that the, the the redesign is just a redesign and doesn't doesn't really come with much additional functionality? I have no idea. Like so many <laughs> questions, not a, not a quick. Uh, what yeah, do you, okay. I mean, what do you I, tell me? What you guys are thinking and why? Right now, we're kind of doing it on a, a case by case basis. So one is if there's not much UI to it. We're doing it in 3.8. So for example, like wh- one of the things we're working on is a new type of custom field. Um, it's like one value in a dropdown list. Like there's not much to design. Uh, so we're doing that in the old version. A different one is like th- the entire redo of how our like our workspace, our, our, our mm-hmm. homepage works. But that it's like, I don't want to put in the work of doing it in two different design languages. So we're going to save that. Um, so it's just kind of case by case, but like 50-50 maybe right now. The simple stuff, you're doing both. The complex stuff, you're saving. That's the main dimension. And then the second dimension is like, is this something that feels like it belongs with a redesign? So the workspace is also, we're, we're, re, we're changing the UX while the UI is changing. Uh, Does the as, UX make this, this feature uh, or, or enhancement better or usable when it wasn't before? If, 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 mm, if so, yeah. you put it to this to the new design. If not, you leave it 
you do it yeah. in, the new, in the old design. Another so, thing to consider. Yeah, that that's correct. Another final thing to consider is like people often don't respond well to change. Uh, redesigns, even though the redesign won't really change the functionality, it'll be very visible. I do think it's nice to have little carrots in there to be like, oh, well, you're really cranky about everything, but don't you like this? And then people calm down a little bit. Re- rewards for <laughs> uh, contact, like serious ha- habit. Uh, yeah forced habit change like yeah oh my god like exactly I, like google docs did something recently and i don't know what it is uh but it happened to me today and i was like mm. this is different i don't know what's happening and, and there I, were no rewards that you it, could see and i haven't found them yet yeah so okay you're right that you, you we would need to talk about this a lot longer and so mm-hmm. we we don't need to do that but this is a dilemma i'm dealing with is like how and the problem is it could be if things go slowly, it could be six months before the redesign's done. I hope it's three, but it could be six. And it's like, you don't want to end up in this situation where you have this like huge, massive amount of improvements that you just, you just lost six months of progress on, you know? So anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to me ramble about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else you want to chat about? No, no, I'm good. All right, cool. (laughs) Um, If you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.